It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. All right, my guest here on Moment of Truth is Amos Key. Now, Amos Key is someone I've known for quite a while. He is the current executive director of CKRZ 100.3 FM on Six Nations, or CKRZ, some people say. Mm -hmm. So, Scano, Amos, welcome to the show. Scano, David. Scano, Scano. And Amos, you are the current executive director of CKRZ, but you have a long history with the radio station, involved with the board. Yes. You had your own radio show, doing yeah. the blues show. Yeah. Um, so you've got a long involvement with yeah. that end of communications. And that's right. why right. this conversation is kind of going, okay. because on top of all that, you have been involved with languages. You've been involved with educational institutions. You had a, an education program named after you mm -hmm. at one point in time. Yeah. And we yeah. want to talk about that because sure. it was a, an online learning program yeah. ahead of the curve. Because mm -hmm. when it started, uh, that kind of thing wasn't really thought of much. Yes, uh, right. As you said, you were just saying it was about 2010 when that got yeah. initiated. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things for us to talk about because yes. here we are in COVID-19 yeah. and we have a situation where online learning is huge. Yes. And that's why we, I wanted to, to talk with you about it because it's not only about the education, it's about the endangerment of languages and the revitalization that we're seeing with languages. Mm -hmm. That's something else that has come forward. And of course, we all know about connectivity on reserves is dicey in many places oh, yes. and trying to learn online alone is, mm -hmm. is a challenge. Right. So you put those other technical issues in front of this right. and you know, what are we, we dealing with? So first of all, let's talk about your involvement with the radio station just a little bit. Okay. Um, I well the Gasawane uh and how you go ahead and agree some way to scan out when Otanya. Nani was uh Thai Hosni Gwaskyaso and Yan Kyone wash out was a shoulder, Nani Ganyata and Waka Shouta. Nantoho Aknagrit Nantoho Oshwega Six Nations Nick Wayasta and Ye and Wenzage. Um good afternoon uh, or good morning. Uh, my name is Amos Key Jr., and I just introduced myself in my language, the Kyuga language, which is one of the six languages of uh, the Confederacy, our civilization. And um, I just said that I'm a Mohawk, and I live here at Oshwega, or Oshwegan, we say it, I guess, anglicized. And uh, at Six Nations, we call it in our language, Yeikenwenzage. Anyway, I just introduced myself in my language to all of you, all the listeners. Yeah, I w was involved with uh, with the radio station at the um, not at the very beginning. I know they were pirating a station at the beginning. Uh, uh, my uh, great colleague uh, uh, Carolyn King, um, she's the one that got me involved with it, and and uh, Brian Johnson and mm. uh, the Hill Boys. I can't remember their names, you know, um, but I wasn't involved with them as well. And, and a guy named T.J. Venever, he's the mm. one that I know. Yeah. He was a he was a broadcaster yeah. initially, a pirate broadcaster. <laughs> anyway, they were they were the ones that were experimenting with uh, community radio. Uh, uh, they were they had a pilot pirate station. They were moving an antenna around to make sure they had a good signal. That kind of experimenting. Anyway, that's when I came to a uh, I came to the plaza. We we're all talking about whether this could be something we all want to do. And and those guys, of course, they had the energy to move it around and. I think at one point it was even tried to be piloted over at New Credit, and then they moved it back to Six Nations. But anyway, we got involved with that, and I got involved with it. Um, just, uh, I guess they must have known I had graduated from radio and television at mm. one point. So they uh, asked me to come and join them, and Carolyn as well. And 
Uh, Carolyn was already here, so I just joined her, and uh, we became the pioneers of this radio station. And they were doing uh, working on the technical side. Um, our technology, mind you, was very primitive. We mm-hmm. had a, a, a Radio Shack uh, soundboard and <laughs> a couple of microphones and record players and CD players at the time. Well, not even that. It was cassettes at the right, time. Right. So it was very, when we think about it now, how primitive it was. And I mean, we're talking about that even on CKRZ. We're celebrating our 31st year. Yeah. We've been uh, showcasing some of our volunteers and their right. re- reminiscences, yeah, yeah. their memoirs, their memories of uh, the, the station in early beginnings. Anyway, we're celebrating that this week. Yeah, congratulations. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's great. And it's nice to be back here after 30 years. Mm. But anyway, we, we started that and... Um, we thought, well, now we've got to become a little bit more formally organized. So uh, I volunteered to to craft the constitution for our organization mm. and whether we would have a, a membership because uh, it's a community radio, community-driven radio station. So we had a membership um, and we sold memberships and that, that got you to come to an annual meeting and you got to, to adopt uh, or recommend your slate of directors. And then we, uh, a lot of volunteers, a lot of people just volunteered to, uh, to do radio programs morning and afternoon. Um, and we gave as much fund as we could raise to, f- to uh, finance their, their work. Um, so those were the really early, early beginnings. And we had, a, and then we started to look at uh, fundraising. Mm. So we had a, a, we, our core fund, we don't get core funding from anywhere else. We're, we're not, uh, eligible for the funding program from the Department of Canadian Heritage, which they fund the Northern Broadcast Act right, or right, policy from. Right. Um, and I kind of find that discriminatory even to this day because uh, it's for the north of the Hamlin line, mm. 60 degrees. Mm. But um, there's nothing for a southern radio. And I right. find that regardless of how you look at it, it's discriminatory. Mm. We're, we're out of. We're not involved with that, and um, I, f- I really found that hard. And it's hard for all of our our, our, our sister stations yeah. across mm-hmm. uh, indigenous communities across southern Ontario because they don't have core funding. We're all right. we have. To, we're the poor cousin of commercial radio, mm-hmm. but we still have to pay the bills mm-hmm. and pay staff if mm-hmm. we want to keep them. Um, so that's my role, and that's been our role at CKRZ. So we, we had implemented a radio bingo as a fundraising effort, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, that has a long history, and it's been. It was bilingual. I we I used to do it in my language and English. Mm-hmm. Um, so that w- that was fun, and and it depends on the season, I guess, when when people want to play bingo. But it's been a, a mainstay of our organization. Mm. Plus, selling commercials. Yeah. Um, when we first started, we got our first license to CRTC. At the time, we were only limited under Native Broadcast Policy four minutes an, an hour. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But now that's removed. You can have right. as much as you want. Right. So they've re-revised that, which is kind of great for us now. And um, But it also speaks to the challenge that yes. they recognize that you, you yeah. need more advertising yeah. to survive. Yeah. And it's, I imagine it's still difficult to, oh, to fill yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, and, um, you know, we're going through our growing pains again. I was, we're almost like we're reorganizing ourselves. We have a new board, a new administration there, and that's why I came on to help. Um, to help them with the administration side of it. But I think it's going pretty good. I can just share a story. I, I don't know if we're looking for stories as well, but I can remember um, when we first had our first radio bingo, and I volu- we had, the, as I said, the Radio Shack kind of pod mm. and a soundboard and very mixing board, I guess, and, mm. and a record player. And, 
and we sold cars just locally because our footprint was probably five miles mm. in the village. Mm-hmm. And because um, we were a pirate station, we weren't licensed yet, but we had to fund funds. <laughs> so we, we uh, everybody volunteered to do work on a bingo, and we sold cards as best we could. But, uh, you know, my and uh, whenever I write my book, I'm going to talk about this. We were so colonized here at Six Nations at the time mm. that when we fo- first started the first bingo, there was someone who called after the second number that I called in Cayuga and in English. Mm. And TJ answered the phone. So I put this pod down and I, you know, I said, so I just played some music right away. Mm. And like you would normally do. And um, he says, I hope you, you might have to bleep this out. This woman says, she wants to know why the fuck you got the native language on here. Wow. Right. And was this someone from the community? It had to be somebody in the community in that five, yeah. five mile radius. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said we were so colonized. Right, right. Um, and I always say this, I said, I'm lucky I wasn't on television. Because I would have turned several pages, <laughs> several <laughs> right. wow. colors of red and purple, probably. Right. But, wow. you know, that strengthened our resolve and my resolve yeah. as well. Because I also, at that time, my full-time job was a director of First Nations Languages. Mm. So that hit me. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I just said, well, we're going to continue on. Yeah. So wow. I turned that microphone and pushed those paws back up and <laughs> kept right on going and it's been going ever since. You know, but that was in our own community that shows yeah. you how colonized we were here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I also hit that too also because in my role as a, as a director of languages uh, at the Woodland Cultural Center, uh, when we had, uh, when we were setting up the immersion bilingual school system here, mm. uh, we had critics who said to us, they're not, they're not going to teach them anything there except witchcraft. Wow. That shows you how colonized we were. Wow. Yeah. Talk about being converted and colonized. Yeah. Wow. Where would they get that? Yeah. You know, like, you have to ask yourself. But anyway, yeah. we kept on persevering. We have, uh, and it's almost the same time as we're doing communications mm-hmm. in our languages. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, uh, so we have the radio station. Now we have immersion. Mm-hmm. And it's been going on. Both the radio station has been going on for 31 years. Neo, a little bit longer. Right. Uh, it's about 35 years. Right. Um, but, you know, we now have young folks who are bilingual. Yeah. If we would have taken that and, and it would have crushed us, yeah. those kinds of comments, mm. we wouldn't be where we are right now, trying to decolonize ourselves at Six Nations of Shuega. So anyway, we, we had to learn all of that, too. And, and that's our history here. And that's why I said one day I'll write a book and... Mm-hmm. I'll talk about all this, but anyway, I just wanted to share those stories with you because this, it's, it's what happened to us. So now we have a radio station that's been going on for uh, 31 years. We have some great uh, program. We have some great DJs, and now we want to be more proactive with our yeah. mandate right. to promote our own indigenous civilizations yes. in our own languages. So it kind of we kind of went off the rails there for a while. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to try and recover all of that, that mm. philosophy and mm. that psychology of having our own languages right. and our own, and a place where we can talk about our own civilizations, right? whether it's Nishnabe and Ongwehongwe. Uh, yeah, um, that's great. Because we don't, uh, we don't do that very well, and we're going to try and re, retool ourselves and, and get back on a railway track that we were on with that mandate. Yeah. So that's my role right now, mm. is to dig us out of that and then try and Trying to heal some of that as well. So, and our relationships as well, because 
that's kind of been tarnished a bit. Right. So anyway, that's what we're doing. And um, I, um, I've always been involved with our civilization. And, and um, I, uh, in my journey, in my, uh, my career, uh, I've come to the point where I debunked the term culture to self-identify as a label. I always say we have a civilization. And I remember you saying that when yes. you started to use that term and went, yes, I remember you using the word yes. civilization. Yeah. Yeah. And we do. We have, I, I, and when I lecture now to young people, at the, whether it's at the university, because I, I just was recently at the University of Toronto, um, and they get it. Our young, hmm. young people get what I'm talking about when hmm. I say civilization. Hmm. I said, but, you know, the, the British crown and, and their privilege said, no, you don't have a civilization. And they had all kinds of labels like being pagan, uncivilized, all of that barbaric. All those terms that they used Mm -hmm. to identify us since Mm -hmm. the beginning of this confederation here in Canada. In fact, that's why they had had residential schools when you you look at it. So anyway, I've I've come to the point where in my confidence and, and, and my own level of audacity to say we have a civilization. Mm. No longer will I, and I was able to successfully lecture at the university in my four courses without saying the word culture. <laughs> and, and what was your title? What were you doing at the, at the University of Toronto? Yeah. I was a professor of, for in the, the Center for Indigenous Studies at the University of Toronto. Okay. And that was 215 to 219. Right. Um, that's how long I was there, and I, I loved it. I loved mm. teaching at that level. Mm. Uh, people all over the world, because right. I had students from all over sure. the world. And my main courses were on truth and reconciliation, so I had I had all that history to take and right. to share with them. So anyway, that's and then I used to say that, and I said, "Well, we have a civilization," and they get it mm-hmm. at that level, that intellectual level. They understood what I was trying to say. These students, these are third and fourth year students, right? And they understood it. Mm-hmm. And I said, "But we were labeled with culture, right?" But you know, I, I, I usually use the example with them that you know, hockey is a culture in this country, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, so is tennis, figure skating. Anything mm. we do is a culture. Mm. But they say, they'll say indigenous or First Nations culture. Right. And they put us all in this yep. pan, indigenous or pan. Yeah. Uh, in native or whatever right. uh, label. But it's, it's much deeper than that because it has its own psychology. You know, all of these yeah. sciences. Sure. It has its own ethics, its yep. own values, core yep. values. Yep. Yep. Just like any civilization in the right. world. Right, Exactly. And in fact, I used to say to my students, you know, the fact that remains is that they were saying where they were they were saying uh, you can read you you don't have to believe me. You can read documents that say they were uncivilized. But I always remind them if we are uncivilized, we could not have a democracy. Mm. Right. Right. Point one. And of Yet course, we have the, the three fires confederacy for yes. the Anishinaabe and yeah. for our people, the Ongohong, mm. we, we yeah. have. The Six Nations mm-hmm. Confederacy. Not not only mentioning that, but the United States. <laughs> yeah, the United States borrowed from heavily from it. Yeah, and and you go to the congressional records, and you can see evidence there mm-hmm. that they actually want to watch it in operation. Mm. So I say that to my students and the rest of the world at the time we, we evolved with this confederacy, this democracy. Mm. The rest of the world were still being led by kings and queens. Right. Another point. Right. Yeah. So how can we not have been? Civilized, right? We were civilized, hence civilization. Mm. You know, that's why I, I you know, I barked on this and I debunked that term culture now yeah. to, to self-identify with yeah. that label. Right? I say we have an indigenous culture, a civilization. We have three of them in Ontario: mm. the Muskego, who were the Cree in the far north, the Anishinaabe in the middle of the, the upper Great Lakes, mm. 
and then our people the Ngwehongwe in the southern mm. Great Lakes and mm. to New York State. Mm. So there's basically our is a geogra- geography and and when I said it that way to my students, uh, they got it. Right. And now when I say with my own people, they get it. Right. You know, they said they never thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's all my work and my research that I've done in truth and reconciliation about us. What what is what is it we want to be? Mm. You know, in in twenty twenty one as uh, First Peoples or Indigenous Peoples in this mm. country. Mm. And with our indigeneity, you know, indigeneity uh, is just about our ideology. Right. So we call it indigeneity, right? So it's our ideology. And um, it, it, and, and I'm, I'm talking several things here, but and the benefits of our young people becoming bilingual is that they have two of those ideologies, they grew up with a Western European ideology and our own indigeneity. That's the beauty of being bilingual. And I just came to that in the last five years as well because I, I in my work in, in setting up the immersion school system and the radio station and the e-learning that we're going to be talking about in a moment, but it all comes to the fact that I worked with a lot of wisdom keepers and elders and faith keepers, and they had such a confidence Economically, they might not be the richest people, mm. <laughs> but in wisdom, they're rich. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. they, to me, had the PhDs. Right, of course. Yeah. And and they and they lived in two ideologies. Yeah. So now I'm just starting to, to grab onto that and start writing about the benefits of being bilingual. Yeah. You know, and, and we want to return to that mm. as our civilizations uh, regroup, and we and, and we want to emancipate from. The shackles that the crown put on us mm. with the most racist piece of legislation in the world called the Indian Act. Mm. Mm. No other race in the world has an act like that. Mm. Even in this country, there's no French Act. Right. There's no you know Italian sure. Act <laughs> or Chinese Act or right. East Indian Act. Sure, yeah. But lo and behold, we mm. have the first peoples have an act to control them. Mm. So I think those are the kind of shackles that's going to lead to our emancipation mm-hmm. as indigenous people. Mm. And once we start talking about that, uh, whether it's in think tanks or where we want to go with our institu- our own institutions, right. I think that's going to be our next, the next generation, our next seven generations will be looking at that real serious for us. Right. Um, it took seven generations to get rid of our languages. Mm. It'll take us seven generations to get back. Right. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that even goes with the seven generations we lost is the history of residential schools. Right. It took seven generations right. to do that to us. Right. And they had, they had license to do that over our people. Mm. So, anyway, that's what my, uh, that, that is my background, my thinking about who we are right now and the need to create our own institutions like the radio station, right. like uh, Gawaniyo, mm-hmm. the uh, immersion school system, bilingual school system. Uh, and also, I, as we're, we're going to talk about um, uh, the development of our own synchronous e-learning secondary school system. Yes. So, do you just want me to start talking about that? Sure. Okay. So, what? Um, because I'm an educator, um, my first education job was for the London Board of Education. I was a guidance counselor, and uh, I taught history there as well for the three First Nations out of that London area. Mm. Anyway, that was way back in the 80s. And um, 
I was always taken back by this this uh, term they or this this point uh, uh, they would say to me each September. Amos, just keep your your students here until the end of October. Make sure they're here until. Oh, I. And I said, okay. Like I'm, I was wet behind the ears. I didn't. Mm. I was so green. I didn't know. You know. Mm-hmm. I said, oh yeah, sure. You know. And, and so I would, you know, guide do my guidance and my my nurturing encouragement of our students. And then finally, I started to realize, like, hey, what's going on here? We're like, why do they say that? But that's when the the the, the invoice went in. Right. So they didn't care about what happened to our students after October 31st. Mm. And I, I found out in my work, my journey that the tuition agreements between First Nations and the provincial school system is a cash cow for them. Mm. You know, um, at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's changed that much. I, I mean, I'm also involved with, with education still, but I don't think it's changed that much. Mm. You know, um, I know there's a $60 million purse that's, or envelope that's for indigenous education, but I don't know. There is no one, there's no one providing oversight of that. Mm. Mm. I said, or metrics. I don't see a metrics for that. Uh, How well that's, that purse is, you know, helping our students. Mm -hmm. But that needs to happen next. Anyway, um, so, but then our students would drop out. Right. Of school, high school. And that's what really, because I had that experience, really drove me to try to find another way to have our students get their OSSD, Ontario School, Secondary School Diploma. Mm. Because at the time of, of our research, way back when, in the 2010 or so, I was working for the Niagara Area Management Board, and um, I was the chair and, of the board, and um, I knew our dropout rate was, at that point, was 55% and climbing. Mm. So then, that means fifty-five percent of our young people were not going to ever get an OSSD in Ontario, right? And what can we do to do that to mm-hmm. to curb that, right? So I happened to stumble upon a workshop on SunChild e-learning out of Alberta, and they were experimenting, exploring this synchronous e-learning situation. Mm-hmm. So I stumbled upon them, and I, I said, "Oh, this is something we could try and develop here at Niagara Air Management Board, because we were involved with." employment and training, mm. but it was for people who are 15 to 30 years old, okay. but they might not have gotten their OSSD. Mm. But we all know that in even private college, apprenticeship, uh, post-secondary, you need a grade 12. If you don't have that, you can't go anywhere in right. within that that sector. So mm-hmm. that also fueled our thinking about, let's try and experiment with, as uh, another option for our students. So the Niagara Area Management Board at the time, its catchment areas is from Branford, Kitchener, to the Niagara Escarpment to Fort Erie. That was our catchment area. So they said, let's try and try and adopt what Sunchild is doing in Alberta for Ontario. So they, in fact, came, came and gave us workshops on how they developed and evolved. So we adopted it. The board agreed to adopt it. And to experiment with that, and they gave us you know, funding for four years, a seed funding, and it took off. We hired a principal. Uh, even for the principal, when we went down that road for um, the e-learning secondary school, we had 110 applications. Wow. And for each, I can say, no word of a lie, for each teaching position for each one of our courses, we had no less than 30 student, uh, teachers oh. apply. Wow. So we had the critical mass we mm, needed mm-hmm. of uh, quote unquote human capital, as they would say in 
employment and training. <laughs> <laughs> so we had that, and they were all willing to become a part of uh, the, the synchronous e-learning. So we thought, okay, let's, tr- let's first work at uh, trying to encourage our mature students mm-hmm. to get who might need just one or two credits mm-hmm. to get their OSSD. So that's what we did initially. And then after a second year, I believe, we, then we started adding grade 9 and grade 10. So it would have been became a, a full-fledged private secondary school. Mm. And that's how we were recognized by the, uh, the province. We had to go in as a uh, private school. Mm. And we made some missteps. My board, to honor me at that point, decided, let's name it after Amos. Right. So it became the Amos Key Junior E-Learning Institute. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I was humbled. I, I thought, well, I, you know, I jokingly and in self-deprecation, I said, it's, it's nice that you would name it to me after me when I'm alive rather than when I'm dead and gone, right? <laughs> of course, it cracks up. Everybody cracks up. But, yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. So that's what the board did. But a lot of people thought I owned the school. Oh. That was our misstep. Mm. So we changed it to Dreamcatchers mm. e-learning secondary school okay. at the end. But then we ran out of seed money. Mm. So then we were trying to sh- give it away. Mm. We had the platform. Right. We had done all of the homework. Yeah. But nobody, it was, a, as you had ahead of the, as you said earlier, it was ahead of the curve. Mm. People didn't kind of really understand it yet. Mm. Even though we made plenty, plenty and plenty right. of more presentations, right. it was all set up. Right. It was registered as a private school. Mm. It was evaluated by the province. Mm. Um, but no, but we tried to get First Nations mm. to take it over. Mm-hmm. It, we even had an, a charity attached to it. Wow. That's how far we had gone. Wow. But, you know, we just couldn't find any takers. So it just sort of went dormant. Right. We ran out of seed funding. Yeah. We couldn't pay our staff anymore. And we had to, uh, you know, of course, just let it lay dormant. So mm-hmm. it's still there. Yeah. If anybody wanted to take it. Right. And has the energy. Yeah. I think uh, if you're looking at a dollar figure, at the last last time we looked at it, it's about a million dollars to run it. Mm. But you can sell tuitions. Sure. You know, for people to come to it as, yeah. a, as a private school. Or in, in, in the case of... Um, Provincial schools, you can actually have reverse tuition agreements now. Mm. The province allows that, mm. in which you could you could also actually put an invoice into a school board for John mm. or Sally right, to right. come to school, right? Right. So anyway, you can do that, and even with the First Nations, we can they can send some other students there. And the beauty of it was that uh, we uh, celebrated the students uh, mm. because our numbers were small. We yeah. had, I think maybe you have to have five students to have a private school in this province. Okay. Wow! Okay. And so then. We had maybe eight or nine, so mm. that's, we're experimenting anyway. Mm. Um, so those students, uh, we celebrated them. We had our own uh, commencement for them. That's nice. We, we that's had great. a meal with their family because <laughs> they're on starting another journey, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and great. we actually went to the point of, of uh, framing their mm. diplomas. Oh, nice. And we presented to them. At, we had an evening with them at our own commencement, and they loved it. I bet. The, the smiles. Yeah. On those people when they're going across the stage was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's we we do this as we volunteer. We don't we, right. know, we don't do yeah, this yeah. for for money, but yeah, yeah. that's the reward. Yeah, you know. And we even had valedictorians, and they would come <laughs> and give a speech and talk about yeah. what this meant to them. Yeah, you know, it was so beautiful. We had I think we had three of those yeah commencements for our students. Anyway, a lot of them went on to uh, post secondary. Yeah, exactly what we had hoped. Yep. But again, um, it had to fall through the cracks because we ran out of seed funding. Yes. So, I mean, it's there. It can work. But the beauty of it was we made sure that all of our teachers 
and I'm a very strong proponent of this, is emotional intelligence, EQR. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I'm so that our guidance program was just EQI mm. for our students mm. because we wanted, or I, I know I was recommending that we want our students to have a moral compass after grade 12. Time for a break. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Amos Key right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. We are back and you are listening to a one-hour special with Amos Key from Six Nations, the executive director of CKRZ 100.3 FM. And he is talking about education, music, community radio, e-learning, and the challenges of preserving indigenous languages. But the platform allowed the students to be able to come in uh, wherever they were, at home or at a library, wherever there was connectivity. Yep. Um, even even though we're, we're kind of challenged right now with our environment we're in. But at the time, the students would either work from their home, uh, hardwired to the Internet, or else, you know, Wi-Fi was just coming on board as yeah. well. So, um, and the students went to school wherever they could get connectivity. Um, so they loved that as well. They yeah. didn't have to be in a classroom with bricks and, bricks and uh, mortar. Yeah. mortar. Yeah. They could go anywhere. And, and mature students, you want to be going to school with a 15-year-old. So, I mean, that made it even easier for them. Yeah. And, and some of the single parents as well. You know, they could be going to school and mm. still be in, in their home with their children, yeah. with their young, young ones. Right. Now, Amos, you know, you mentioned how the, the connectivity was one issue, and you mentioned being ahead of the curve. When yeah. you look back on this e-learning platform yeah. that you developed and look at what we're dealing with now, um, and so much of that is online, forced to be online mm-hmm. because of COVID. And you say yourself that you're now being uh, sort of questioned and you're going out to make presentations yeah. at different places. So yeah. there is an interest in yeah, it. Yeah. What do you see when you look back at that time and what you see compared to what's going on now that, you know, in, in reflection, yeah. that might be of help to others or that you, you see uh, challenges that are similar? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think um, what's not helping us right now in the province of Ontario is that we're, we're going back and forth. Like one week you're online, mm. and then next week you're back in a classroom. Right. So, and, and it's because of COVID. Sure. But if you had a, 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 if the province would invest in e-learning secondary schools, right. like the one we had, yeah. it, you, you might find more students coming back or getting, mm. or mature students going to it. Mm. Um, mm. But you might... They have to stay with it. That's what I'm saying. Right. I guess that's my only recommendation. Right. Stay with it. Right. If you're going to do it, do right. it. Don't go back and forth because right. that causes so much stress on the parents, on the students themselves, on the school. Teachers. Yeah, yeah teachers. Yeah. Um, because, uh, as I said, we, 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 when we posted our courses and, mm. and the hiring, mm. we had people who actually wanted to teach online. Mm. So I find now that I heard some challenges with the teachers have to do it. Yes, so right. it becomes a different dynamic, right? Yeah. If you have to do it. That's right. Even with students, right. if you have to do it, <laughs> instead of being in a classroom, you know. Mm. And, and, some, and some people uh, are visual learners, so mm-hmm. I think that's what adds to it as well. Right. Uh, I mean, there's lots of um, research on Indigenous students as well that they're visual learners. Yes. So this just makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, this, when we were considering it even, that's what pulled me in. I said, well, if they're saying that as research… Yeah. Academic research is saying that, 
then why not adopt it? Right. There's a screen there. They're visual. Yeah. You know, and if we can make it interactive, mm -hmm. it makes it more powerful at yeah. that level. It's another dimension, right? right. So yeah. that's the beauty of that, I, I found anyway. That's the challenge as okay. well. Okay. What about language? Yeah. What are you seeing that has changed about language? We talked about the radio station and yeah. the way you you know you first introduced language as bilingual bingo, mm -hmm. and you got you got some feedback which right. wasn't positive. That's right. Thirty years later, um, yeah. what would you say has changed? And are you seeing? And as you say, there are people graduating yeah. uh, with languages. Is it as as good as you'd like to see it, or are you, are you are you hoping, or what do you see as still challenges around language? Well, I think. Um I, I know at Gawaneo, we are they're trying their best, and you know I only I'm not on their board anymore, so I just I, I stand aside. Um, and just just to say, Gawaneo is the elementary school, school yeah, uh, the, on the, the reserve. Yeah, that's yeah. the it's it's a school that um, that was born out of Woodland when I was uh, the executive director. I okay. mean, not, not the executive director, but the language director mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And that was the first thing when I came from the London Board of Ed. That's when they. Um, asked me to uh, lead the, the rectorship at the Woodland Center, that was the first thing on my plate was to look at immersion education. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they didn't call it education because it's immersion school, right? Right. So um, we started with kindergarten. Um, and, and there was challenges, of, you know, even financing that even um, because the Department of Indian Affairs are not about bilingual education. They're about English education. Mm. So you have... Across the table, when you're negotiating, you have people who are monolingual English speakers. They just don't get it mm. about being bilingual, mm. you know. And we weren't using those terms right um, then either. Sure. We just said we want to have immersion education. Mm. Um, but now uh, I think that would be a difference. I, I would add that it's it's about being bilingual, you know, so mm. that you can have you can carry two ideologies. Uh, and I think that's the difference now. So we need to do more of that kind of research. If it even means to convince ourselves, right. what what are the beauty? What's the beauty of having two languages? Mm. We don't talk about that in our in these terms mm. because it's always French English, right? Of course, yeah. that's what we grew mm. up in. Yep, you know, and it's either one or the other, mm -hmm. you know, and be based on your patriotism or your nationalism. <laughs> and I just said, there's a beauty of it, though. Yeah, I worked with elders who were bilingual. Mm -hmm. They could code switch, switch to language. Yeah. It's just a technical term for switching languages. Yeah. They could do it in the same conversation. Sure. You know, we all know those people. Mm -hmm. now, and I couldn't, I, I didn't know what that was until right. now. Right. I know what in, uh, you know, and I, uh, and that was the beauty of being bilingual. And now I can say this is the beauty of being bilingual. You carry on a, a, a and here's where I will use cultural. You'll use, you'll, un, you'll, you, you'll attain a cultural heritage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Heritage being the culture. Right. So I think that's one aspect. So that's what, and then they call it continuity, right? Mm. From one generation to the next. Mm. So those are the beauty, and that's the research that we have to uh, develop. Like even the cognitive research that has to happen with what happens with the brain mm. when you learn two languages, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, they tell us our brain does. I know there's research going on at York University on that, mm -hmm. that, um, that's what happens, that the brain develops faster. Yeah. Uh, there, there's more intellect yep. potential. Yep. So I used to say that, you know, like these kids are going to, the, the, the intellectual potential of these kids is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're, they're, they know two languages. They have two ideologies. They have two psychiatries, two psychologies, two philosophies. Yep. 
so that you just you just grow that way. And I think that's what we as educators now have to pin down and 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 say to ourselves mm. that this is the beauty of being bilingual. And I know we didn't do it in the early beginnings because we just wanted to be able to teach our own languages. So at Six Nations, we we decided to start with Cayuga and Mohawk in a kindergarten level, and then. It was supposed to be like another pilot, mm-hmm. but the parents were so supportive here that they didn't want it to die after kindergarten. Mm. They just said, let's keep on going. Right. So now it's, it offers uh, OSSD, yeah. grade six, to, I mean, kindergarten to grade 12. Yeah. And they're bilingual. Right. And, and I, I have evidence of it now. After 35 years, I had, I witnessed students who, former students, alumni now of Galvanillo. Right are leading our ceremonies. That's great. That's great. And they're, and it's by, not by rote. Mm. They know what they're saying. Mm. By rote meaning you memorized mm-hmm. it. But they sound like seasoned faith keepers, seasoned elders speaking. Wow. They have the pace, mm. the rhythm, pause. They know mm. how to use pause. Mm. Just like our elders do. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I just, I witnessed it about two years ago in ceremony because we sit ourselves in ceremony by moieties and each moiety had one of them stand up and talk for the people Mm. in their language and they weren't lost for words they weren't saying um um right right like it was so beautiful and i have to say to your listeners it was such an emotional event for me but i'm i'm a i'm a sucker for emotion anyway (laughs) But because I I ended up not bawling, but close <laughs> to it, witnessing this yeah. exchange. That's great. You know, I I know there's tears coming down my eyes, and people thought it was, you know, yeah. was hurting or something. And I said, no, I just I'm so happy. Right. And then I called my sister, uh, Lottie. She's passed. She's gone home now. Mm. And I called her using Bluetooth technology from my phone <laughs> outside the ceremonies because she was. She had mobility mm. problems, so she didn't come right. to the ceremony. Right. And I said, Ganyenta, that was her name. I said, Ona he you. know, I said, now we've arrived. Mm. Mm. Choked up. I don't want to get choked up. Anyway, so I said to her, although I talk my language, I get choked up. Anyway, I didn't. So I, I, uh, I said, we've, we've arrived. I got to witness mm. all of our hard work. Because mm. she was the first kindergarten teacher. Oh, wow. I... I convinced her to leave her nursing career mm. to become a, our first teacher <laughs> without a guarantee of a salary. Wow. And she did it. Wow. Her and Ago Johnson, Ima Johnson, mm. another friend of ours, mm. family, Ima Johnson, she took mm-hmm. the Mohawk. Mm-hmm. Had no school. The, the Six Nations Legion mm. of veterans, mm. they gave up their, their Legion Hall to have kindergarten Cayuga there. Mm. So my sister and her parents would go there every morning, clear out the ashtrays, the beer bottles, and create a kindergarten room. <laughs> the uh, Mohawk, Aima's course, their parents, they, they um, restored one of our uh, neighbor schools, SS number one, cleaned it all up, mm-hmm. mopped it all up, and they had no desks, so they bought them pails right. for their, for their uh, school furniture. Wow. That's the history of this community. Yeah, uh, it's it's so amazing what these parents will do uh, when when given the right direction and support. 
Anyway, those are some of the stories that I'll write one day in my book. And <laughs> <laughs> but those good stories. I mean, those are all good great stories. stories. They are. About what it means to, I guess, stabilize and recover your civilization. That's what it's all about yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, that's been my journey. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I just love our people for that mm-hmm. to have that resilience. Yeah. And that's probably what the big R thing, right? Mm. The big R is our resilience, right? Yeah. As Ongwehongwe, Muskego, and Anishinaabe people in this province, and you see it everywhere. Right. And uh, I, I'm just so glad I got to work for my people and with mm. my people. Right. And more importantly, with our faith keepers and our elders, and uh, well, what some people call wisdom keepers. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Uh, Amos, there, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Gawaneo didn't always have grade twelve. Didn't go up to grade no. twelve, right? No. Only went to grade eight. Because I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember, I did a video a number of years yeah. ago with students that were transitioning from the reserve, yeah. from grade eight, yeah. going to grade nine in Hagersville yeah. and elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, because of that transition, because right. the first time yeah. they were going to go off school, yeah. right? Yeah. And I remember one of the one of the questions I asked students that had already made the transition. Yeah. And going back to language, and you know they talk about the challenges, and yeah. I said, was there anything that was uh, was that you found really uh, encouraging about making the challenge? And one of them said, well, because I had the language, my French teacher. It was saying how much easier I was picking up French. Yes. <laughs> so that's the yeah. that's another advantage. Yes, Once yeah, you've learned a yeah. second language, yeah. a third and fourth language yeah, yeah, come yeah. even easier. And that's that's some of the research we need to do mm. as uh, as indigenous people. We need to know what what does that do for a child mm. uh, cognitively, mm. you know, psychologically. Right. All of those benefits that come out of you know being um, bilingual, trilingual, yeah. and, and and our ancestors, Dave. I know. Um, a lot of them were quadrilingual. Oh yeah, in this community, yeah, yeah, yeah. because they had to because right. their neighbors and their yeah. friends were all sure. you know from another language. Yeah, and they would just switch. They right. call it code switching in right. linguistics, but hmm. they would just do it without right. even realizing it. Yeah. I know my parents. My parents. I was lucky. I grew up. I'm. I'm, I'm trying to maintain my bilingualism, <laughs> but my parents were quadrilingual. Right. And plus English. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So. I know we have it in us to, to do that. That's and that's. I'm glad you were able to see that from yeah. some of the students. And Amos, the other thing that comes to mind is when you talk about you know multilingual yeah. aspects uh, and, and the documenting yeah. and preserving the languages. Yeah. You know, we both know Jake Thomas yeah. how he got challenged because yeah. he always talked about well, who's yeah. going to carry this on if we yeah. lose? We're losing yeah. our our language speakers yeah. if we yeah. don't document this and save it yeah. Yeah. and and record it. What are you going to do? Um, I, that's, I think, changed. Yeah, yeah, it's changed a lot. Well, I, I'm lucky enough to have been at the Woodland Cultural Center for 35 years. And, I mean, I, we did all these other things, building mm-hmm. these little institutes yeah. and, and um, sort of incubating them and then mm-hmm. let them go. Right. Um, the, the big one that I kept, though, uh, with my work um, annually was to record verbatim the greatest treasury in the world of Haudenosaunee ceremonies and rituals mm. and music mm. so that was our job we archived it and now we've accessioned it and it's all annexed in, in our, universe, our database at Woodland it's all digital um, that's been our work for the last 35 years so that these folks who come from Gawaniyo mm. who might need a, a, a tip on how did the old folks ah. used to say this mm-hmm. can come to Woodlands as a reference library, mm-hmm. listen to it, and right. say, aha, right. that's what they meant. Yeah, yeah. Because they have the basics of 
Yeah. So anyway, that's that's been our greatest treasure at Woodlands is to be able to collect that and yeah. um, and now we're we're having a, we're now creating a policy to ex- to be able to have access to that so mm. that it doesn't end up in some university again. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's our treasury. Right. So we've been made very careful of that and. We're working with faith keepers to make sure that uh, we covet that collection. Mm-hmm. You know, so now we have it in. Uh, most of it is done in. Uh, was done initially on the state of the art, whether it was reel to reel, cassette, or <laughs> CDs. Mm. But now it's digital. Yeah, you know, so now um, we can have those transcribed. A lot of it is transcribed, right? Uh, in Cayuga and English, mm-hmm. so that it's available to the teachers, right? right? If they need right. to, use, if they want to use parts of it for yeah. just their own. Uh, um, additional qualifications yeah. or whatever yeah. so that they can take that into the classroom yeah. all those ethics all those values right, right uh, are contained in that language so sometimes they just need a, a little tip about how right. was that done and what do we call those categories you know right. our virtues our ethics mm. it's all contained in that so mm. that's the beauty of you know the, and, and, and you know all those p- parts of our emotional intelligence like compassion mm. right mm. That's a mainstay. Uh, you know, our, our altruism, I think, is our number mm, one mm. virtue of Haudenosaunee people. Mm. There's something about, something in our genome that um, encourages us to help people. Mm. I, I think it's genome. I, I, you know, I have to believe <laughs> it because that's the way we are. We live in this community and we try to help as much as possible. We can't help all the time, mm. but if we can... Uh, and I got that from the elders. I just, with their willingness to leave this legacy with us, mm. you know, um, their, their willingness to sit down and talk to you about some mm. of those attributes and traits of our civilization. Right. You know, so that you can kind of organize it. Yeah. That's the beauty. I mean, right. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the okay. conversation when you brought up, we were talking about the radio station, which, yeah. again, you're back there as the executive yeah. director trying yeah. to yeah. get things stabilized yeah. and back on yeah. track. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, bingo's back on the, yes. on, on the and, and you're going to use the language again, I'm yeah, guessing, yeah. in the yeah. bingo. Yeah. But you mentioned Carolyn King. Yes. And of course, uh, Carolyn is, ba- is back at the station yes. as well as the, the president of the board. <laughs> yeah. And we just had her on the station as well, oh, of course, and celebrating the fact that she got the Order of Canada yes, last year, right? Too. Which is that great. was so fantastic. Yeah, it was great. Good yeah. news. And um, so it, it's nice to hear about all of those things to to celebrate and that, that, that these things are going on. But the other thing that you did, and I'm not sure how long you had this going on, but but you, you're a big blues fan. So you oh, had yes. This, you had the blues show yes, yes. We talked on the radio that, yeah. station. Yeah. How did you get, and what attracted you to the blues? Um. I would have to uh, say that was probably because of my older brother, Austin, who's now gone home as well. Mm. Um, early on when I was, uh, you know, we were kids, uh, we had record players, of course. And, mm. But he would every once in a while come and he would bring home a blues album. Mm. And, and I think it, he got that from being, we we grew up in, in Youngstown, New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's where our first home was right. before we moved back to Six Nations. And so they were always involved with Buffalo radio stations mm. and, and Niagara Falls stations. Mm. And they always had blues on those right. stations. This is the early 50s, right? right. So in the, in the 50s, 60s, they would bring these blues albums home. And, of course, I grew up with Motown and all of that R&B stuff that yeah. came yeah. around in the 60s and 70s. So I think that just added to it. So then um, when uh, we were looking for volunteer shows and stuff, I, I said, well, I'll try a blues show. And... 
And then my niece, Diane, um, yeah. Kohoko now, um, she also volunteered to co-host. So we would t- either do it the same night or we yeah. change off. So we did that and for 20, 20 years. We did that for the, yeah, on wow. Thursday nights. Wow. And we were talking about that on our celebration of 30 years. And um, a lot of the musicians mm. will acknowledge the blues hours. Mm. You know, that, mm. that's where they got a lot yeah. of their, you know, yeah. their, I guess, support and, right. and, and their music. Yeah. Um, the reality of the music. And uh, so we're, we're, we're appreciative of that. Um, so that's where I, I brought the blues. And, you know, I have a huge collection of blues. Because at, at that point, when we were doing we were volunteering, we had to buy our own music. Mm. There, was no, right. yeah. there was no core funding right. to buy music. So I have, I think I have in my collection probably close to a thousand CDs of uh, blues artists. And even their... their the artistry is, is is changing too within the mm. blues, mm-hmm. you know, because sure. all of those folks who who used to pick cotton mm. and became blues musicians mm. are all gone. Right, sure, you know. Um, so even all the, the blues, the, the, it's changed the sure. genre. Yeah. So we see that too as well because yeah. we were lucky to start when still the BB Kings and Coco Taylors were still alive and, and Muddy Waters. Yeah. You know, we got to see them in concert. I mean, right. we got to play their music, yeah. but they're all gone now. Yeah, so, yeah. It's so, so it's like there's been a change. Yeah. The other thing I, did, you know, I did too was, um, which was unheard of, I guess, is that I had a, I had produced a Sunday program called Gayoa 101. Oh yeah. And so I used to bring our own social dance music yeah. and, and drop um, power drum music yeah, yeah. to that show. It was an yeah. hour long. Yeah. Uh, before bingo. Right. So uh, that that worked out too. That was a lot of fun, and then other people produced it as well. Kyle Martin and yeah. Charlene Bombery, yeah. they all went on to produce that show. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I think that did a lot to 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 our listeners and to ourselves to say mm. we can have a place. Mm. Our music can have a space and place mm. on radio, mm. on airwaves. And um, I can remember being interviewed by the Toronto Star. I think was his name was Peter Goddard. Mm. He was the music. Uh, Right, right. music uh, journalist. Yeah. He came to visit us here one okay. time. And uh, he said, how do you, he says to me, he goes, how do you play um, Alton John against um, <laughs> the Bear Creek Singers? Right. My pause was his answer. Mm. I just looked at him. Right. Oh, he's like, get it. You know, but he had to he had to ask a question because sure, you know yeah. how how do you do it? Well, we just do it. We just do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this way you can have the Rolling Stones against sure, you know, somebody else or, right. or anybody else like yep. you know uh, Sean yeah. Mendez or whoever mm-hmm. against somebody. You just do it, yeah, because that's all of our music. That's what we yeah. all learned as as people that live here in this in this community. And, and you know, it goes back to that thinking again about where he was coming from, about yeah. how radio is structured. Yes, right. right. And, and yeah. his approach and what he's been told and yeah. what radio is supposed to be. Fee, yes, yeah, because you come from the commercial field, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, so he 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 got his answer, but he he really enjoyed it. He thought that was amazing. That was early on. Mm. Uh, I mean, so that that that. We had to start signing up for ourselves, I think, in, in, on, in a nice way, you know. And, and, you know, now we're seeing all of those connections that are being made. Yes. Right? Between the blues and yeah. uh, between indigenous music. Yes. All of that stuff yeah. that is coming out now. So and, and, you know, all those early, early days, like, you know, we just lost Shingus and Curtis mm, Johnny. Yeah. And all those pioneers yeah. you know, we used to play on a radio station. Yeah. Uh, we still do. Right. Um, but, you know, 
if they weren't the pioneers, we wouldn't have had music to play. I mean, my favorite was even even because the first album I ever got, I think, was J uh, A Paul Ortega. Oh yeah, from the north uh, southwest. Yeah. I we used to play his songs on the radio station, right. and people loved it because it was just the way he presented his music. <laughs> yes, right. yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah, very it was, unique, it was, very identifiable. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, and then now, of course, there's yeah all kinds of commercial yeah. uh, powwow music, and yeah. um, you know, our musicians we have award shows now. Yeah. There are several of them springing up. We were in, CKRZ was involved with setting up the Aboriginal Music Awards yeah. in Toronto, and yeah. I mean, we all did that. I know our. One of our alumni, Elaine Bombery, mm-hmm. uh, set up uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Juno Award yeah. category. Yeah. So, th- you know, all of her show from yeah. Missy Kersey, she was just on the air yesterday talking about that experience and mm. how to get that, how they went right. and knocked on the door of Juno's and right, said, right. we want to have in our Aboriginal music category. Yeah. And uh, her and John, Buffy and Johnny put yeah, that yeah. together. That's right. Uh, that that petition. So and actually, like someone it. from Element FM, uh, Dave Charles, was, was actually involved with that. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's a real good history of ours. You mm. know that I think um, we're glad we're involved with that one point at CKRZ. Mm. You know, and and anyway, it just kind of springs out. Whatever yeah. you do in your community, you kind of get mm. working in this other things. Uh, especially when you want to you want to raise. Our, our artistic intelligence of our civilization, mm. whether it's performance, writing, or, you know, whether it's writing uh, literacy, literal work. Um, that's one thing I, 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 um, I was, I'm saying now is that we really got to create a, a lane for indigenous language literacy and literary arts. That's one thing we, we kind of set aside for now, but I think now we're at the point where we've got to start creating that. And we had a teacher, too, uh, at our language commission here at Six Nations who teaches in Gavanillo at the high school level saying that my students are wanting things to read mm. for leisure reading. Mm. And we don't have that yet. Mm. So we need to create a funding stream right. to allow our own people to start writing in their language. Right. You know, and that's how it evolved. That's how English evolved. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now we have big granting situations and big... Uh, awards for authors of English mm-hmm. in this country, right? Mm-hmm. So we got we got to be start doing that now too for our for our own languages. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a script or lyric or you know some new music, right? We got to be able to uh, whether it's even uh, rock and roll in our language. I mean, I, I know there are some people that are doing it. I know there are some people hip hoppers that are doing it yeah. as well. You know, yeah, yeah. so we got to we got and because language was is. So integral in our civilization, mm-hmm. we ha- we got to make sure that we carry that forward too. Whether right. it's through music or uh, reading mm-hmm. materials, right? Right. Um, yeah. Even even talking about our Genesis stories, you know, um, as a, as a, as a civilization, like what are those stories and how beautiful we can make them? I mean, to using the metaphor of our Genesis that we are, you know. Either they they sometimes does they you know uses interchangeably we're sky people or star people. Mm. What a beautiful metaphor to yeah, write about. Sure, absolutely. As Ongwe people. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that's what we need to start doing now is looking at that in our languages is a whole area of literacy mm-hmm. and literary arts. Right. So that's what I, what I hope we can do in the next mm-hmm. decade or so to right. set that up. Yeah. Amos, 
it's been a real pleasure speaking with you Nyawa. today uh, Nyawa, go on. Uh, for, for taking the time to join us and share your views and share us uh, share the stories that you did about the radio station <laughs> yeah. about language about yeah, yeah. e-learning yeah. Uh, you know all of those things uh, it's been fascinating so yeah. uh, again now I go for taking the time to do so you're welcome David Amos Key is the current executive director of CKRZ Radio on Six Nations. He's a broadcaster, and he's an educator, and uh, someone promoting, and rightfully so, talking about the richness of the Ongoehongwe civilization that we heard today right here on this show. So uh, thanks so much to Amos for coming in to talk to us on Element FM. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for listening each and every day right here to Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses, and we'll see you again tomorrow right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element, Element, Element FM.